Welcome to The Owl Hoot, a podcast for the environmentally curious, with me, Caroline Norbury. On each episode, I chat with a guest who contributes in some way to protecting the planet on matters of climate change, sustainability, biodiversity and pollution. Here is a place where you can gain new knowledge and be inspired. Enjoy listening. Harriet Hurd joins me on the podcast today. Harriet is Head of Marketing at Zedify, an eco-friendly and sustainable delivery business based in the UK. Prior to working for Zedify, she worked in the realm of recycling and has a degree in anthropology. With logistics being integral to how the world operates, I'm keen to hear how Zedify is tackling this essential service with an environmentally mindful approach. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Harriet to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on today. No, the pleasure is all mine. So it would be lovely to start with a little bit about yourself. Did you always think you'd be working in employment where the environment was a factor? And where did that come from? Yeah, um, well, I think probably even as a kid, I was quite interested in, in the environment and environmental issues um but I didn't particularly you know seek out in terms of you know the course I chose at university or anything like that but I think it's definitely the background quite a kind of you know politically active family that kind of thing and then when I was doing my dissertation I came across um an organization called Groundwork I was doing a piece of it was on kind of community gardens and you know what nature is like within cities and Groundwork, yeah, they do some fantastic, very practical projects across the UK. And so really started to kind of understand a bit more about the sector working for them. And I guess it's a bit like that with careers, isn't it? You start with one thing and then it leads to another and then you end up where you're at. But definitely, definitely was something I was passionate about from from an early age. Oh, that, that's good. You're right. I mean, Things can you can you can plan all you like, but quite often <laughs> life just happens and unfolds, and you either take opportunities that pass your door or you let them go past you. So yeah. that's, a, that's a good point, well made. <laughs> so tell me about Zedify. How did Zedify come about? What, what what's the story behind that, and uh, why was it set up? So Zedify came about because our two founders, so our CEO, who's Rob King, and our chief sustainability officer, Sam Keane, they both had their own psychologistic businesses. Rob's in Cambridge, which started quite a long time ago in 2005, I believe, and um, Sam's in Brighton. And they met each other at an event that was organised for um, psychologistics businesses. And they started chatting and they, they thought about the opportunity that was starting to to kind of emerge, I guess, where e-commerce was really starting to skyrocket. This is before the pandemic, but even at that stage, really starting to take off. And you're seeing cities really starting to, to take notes about air quality and congestion and starting to think about taking some serious measures there. And they were both really, really passionate. There's a reason that they started their own businesses, really passionate about you know, the practical role that deliveries could have in in making cities better places so they decided that they would join forces make a unified brand make a tech platform and try and bring people along for the ride so we're now in 10 cities across the UK and soon to be in 11 and yeah we're a mixture of a franchise and managed 
hub model. So some of them are kind of centrally managed as part of the wider business um, and some are kind of individual business owners that um, operate under Certify brand. Interesting. I'm sure we'll come back to that business model a little bit later on, but I wanted to sort of hone in on what this sort of logistic business looks like. So tell me how it compares to a regular, more standard <laughs> logistic yeah. business. Oh, that's a really, yeah, that's a really important, yeah, scene setting, <laughs> setting thing to, to talk about. I guess, uh, you know, the way that the logistics, you know, market has kind of grown organically over time in the UK is very much, um, you know, focused as, as lots of our transport has on motorised vehicles. And so, you know, we've assumed that a van that can do a really good job of transporting stuff efficiently along a motorway can also do a really good job in a city centre. And we've not thought about kind of breaking that down into different parts. So we've ended up in a situation where we've got millions of delivery vans whizzing around cities, really, really choking up those streets. And so, you know, what Zedify does is we have micro hubs that sit on the kind of edge of a city centre and then retailers and carriers. So, you know, big parcel carriers that you might have heard of that we partner with um, include Yodel and every will drop parcels there or we'll pick them up and and bring them there and then local businesses as well their parcels will be picked up and taken there and those are the, all consolidated and then delivered within the city on cargo bikes electric cargo bikes which um yeah are zero emissions at the tailpipe they're a much kind of smaller smaller delivery vehicle so really help in terms of the space that they take up on the street causing less congestion able to kind of weave around congestion and generally just really, really help with that, um, making the city have cleaner air, have a lower carbon footprint from the deliveries and then help to make the streets kind of safer, more pleasant places for everyone to be. It has a lot of wins. I can already hear that from the fact that it's solving a problem in terms of the congestion and getting those all those extra parcels from A to B. But it's also can be done in a way that really benefits the environment. So tell me then what these vehicles are, because you've got a, you call them light vehicles, I believe, and you've got a number of different types of e-cargo bikes and other vehicles. Tell me about those a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, people are kind of slowly sort of understanding whether they've, you know, seen them out and about in the street, or maybe they know a family who's kind of got one that they're using for, for kind of transporting themselves about going and doing their shopping on. But yes, cargo bikes come in lots of different shapes and sizes. And we use that term, I guess, to talk about the whole family of um, cargo bikes. We have in our fleet, we have two wheeled cargo bikes, which are kind of really good for um, nippy, speedy work where we don't have, you know, huge amounts of parcels or huge parcels to deliver. They're really good at kind of getting getting from A to B really quickly. And then we have um, larger vehicles, um, three-wheeled trikes and four-wheeled quads. And we use a variety of makes and models um, within the fleet profile that we have. Um, but really the backbone of our fleets are the trikes. And they are great because they have a, you know, they're really nice. They're kind of reliable to use. They have a really big well significant payload so they can transport about 200 kilograms which there's a really good bit of research that we often quote because it makes a really good point which is that a typical van is probably carrying about that weight around not because it couldn't fit more in the back of it there's obviously the space and the payload to do that but because how slowly a van travels around a city it's only ever going to be able to be filled up or typically only filled up with about the same weight as a cargo bike 
So when you're kind of comparing the two as the kind of what what should I use within a city, you know, the fact that you could fit more in a van really isn't in its favour because you can't you can't actually utilise it. Wow, that is that is interesting. Something I would not have guessed about. Yeah. So so you have a mix then. You mentioned there about the maintenance. I wondered how that compared to having, if you had a normal vehicle, are you having to maintain them in a similar way? Do you, do you have to worry about breakdowns? I think it's, you know, obviously keeping keeping your fleet on, on the road and active and, you know, as as kind of fully utilised as possible is any logistics business is one of one of their primary goals and it's for us absolutely a concern so we have you know teams of mechanics in all of our hubs that are doing just that I think probably you know quite different different kind of tasks that they're doing but essentially yes working hard to keep keep them on the road yeah I don't I don't know specifically how they compare in terms of number of fixes that need to be done on a van compared to a bike but yes that, that encompasses some of the things that they have to look out for I yeah. get it and in terms of sourcing these vehicles, has that been a fairly because it's a, it's it's a new it's fairly new, isn't it? Eco cargo bikes. Yeah. Has it been easy to get hold of these? And are they up to the job that you kind of want them to be? Because they need to be fairly robust. You're using them all the time. Yeah, I think it's um it is really really good point. It is it's a really relatively young kind of technology, and so with all kind of new technologies, there are teething issues. You know, there are there are things that we've tried out and haven't worked and obviously like like lots of lots of um, businesses and um, supply chains kind of during the pandemic and in in the period after brexit uh, are affected by us being able to get parts and and also vehicles so all of those things have definitely caused challenges so i think we have started building and retrofitting our own fleets and that's all about you know ensuring a really robust um, supply of vehicles that's going to support our growth that's something that we don't want to be standing in our way and yeah, certainly something that we're kind of laser focused on. I think that also gives us the opportunity to do some quite nice things around, um, you know, sourcing locally and thinking about repurposing parts really effectively. I think we'll come back to that as well in a moment. <laughs> Before we do, <laughs> I was thinking you mentioned earlier about your customers and they seem to be quite varied. Are they hmm. coming to you because they are thinking they need to be demonstrating their own net zero pathway or are they coming to you because you provide a great service in terms of just getting that parcel from A to B? What is their motivation? Yeah, I think it's a, it, you're, you're right. There is a kind of varied mix of customers we have. And I think it does depend a little bit on, on them and, you know, what kind of, what profile they have. I think often when we're working with a kind of a local, you know, independent retailer in a city, they're interested in us because we are a local team and they've seen maybe seen our bikes out and about and they they're thinking you know how could how could I improve things how could I work with somebody who's like a trusted local provider who can provide me with a really good service and you know how could I do things differently and that might be about sustainability that might be about clean air that might be about you know the impact that that has for their customers you know seeing their seeing their goods being delivered at the doorstep on a on a cargo bike so I think a number of those things, I think obviously in these times, everyone prices is a really kind of key driver and people aren't going to make the switch unless they can see that there's a, you know, that they're either going to be paying a you know, similar amount to what they were for a non-sustainable service or even in fact kind of saving money based on what they were paying. So that's a really important driver. And one of the ways that we're able to kind of meet that demand is around, you know, the efficiency and the speed. 
and all of that kind of consolidation. So being able to build up a really kind of high density of customers within a certain area, being able to service them really quickly because we're not stuck in traffic and being able to put all the parcels that are going to a similar area onto one vehicle. I think when you're looking at bigger customers, we work with a real range. You know, we work with mid-sized direct-to-consumer brands who they they perhaps have a sustainable product. We work with a vegan recipe kit company called Grubby. And, you know, cargo bike deliveries have really been built into their service offering, something that their clients, you know, they've chosen that product because they're really, you know, they're concerned about health, they're concerned about sustainability. And so having a, a delivery provider that matches that is important. And then when you're looking at big logistics carriers that are partnering with us, they're often dealing with challenges around the cost that it for them to deliver within a city. So they partner with us because we can help. We're an experienced cargo bike delivery company. So they know they can rely on us to provide a really efficient service and those gains and, and really help them there. But I think there is pressure from investors and from their customers as well to address sustainability and when you're looking at big retail brands which is a big big kind of customer group for us and a big target and you know we're working with a a big fashion retailer in the UK to do their deliveries I think there is definitely pressure from for for big brands to take serious measures looking at looking at their supply chain and this is you know this is something that's kind of beyond criticism I guess it's a proven model it's not as complicated as some of aspects of fashion retail where they're looking at you know, product product design and all of the different kind of complicated ways that that can be constructed and analysed in terms of carbon footprints. If you're looking at swapping a diesel van for a cargo bike or even an electric van for a cargo bike, there are really significant um, carbon savings that you can gain there. Yeah, that's fascinating because, as you say, fashion they've got a they've got a major headache on their hands in many quarters and this must yeah. be for them quite and one of the least sectors that would feel like an easy easier win and, yeah and so curious that you've got all those different players in there that in itself is it's you know people coming to the table for different reasons yet the underlying service is there it's not they're not coming to you because you're quirky they come to you for all sorts of reasons but i imagine Thinking about quirky in a city, people are so used to seeing a white diesel van. It could be anyone's. Or I know lots of obviously other deliveries will have their own emblems on their vehicles. But I imagine your your vehicles do stand out, and that must help for yeah. getting more customers and for selling the whole idea of a sustainable business. Yeah, I think it's really powerful. And, you know, imagery, it's almost in some ways, you know, for my role is obviously a big part is about communicating that and about getting people excited. And I think, you know, the bikes themselves, we've designed them, you know, so that they look quite striking and so that people, yeah, people kind of do, oh, what's that? And certainly it's that thing at the doorstep where, you know, people, yeah, very much used to seeing, uh, you know, very kind of rushed, harassed, van driver that's been stuck in traffic and obviously our riders you know working extremely hard they have really kind of tough tough targets to, to hit in terms of deliveries as well but they are paid a real living wage they are properly employed they're not gig economy and they're out there in the fresh air able to navigate and filter past traffic rather than get really frustrated kind of sat in a queue so there's all of those that cont- contribute to having that really amazing delivery experience at the doorstep that perhaps people aren't used to and makes it really kind of stand out. 
For sure. And I'm curious to know about your staff, those particularly those that are if you like at the sharp end doing the, the actual d- delivering uh, have they come from other types of logistics businesses or are they people that like the whole idea of delivering through a bike or a cargo bike yeah i think that it's a really interesting question it's something that we're looking at at the moment actually in terms of how we can potentially attract a more diverse range of people into the role um, as we grow and we're looking to um looking to bring more riders on so I think often we get people that are, you know, they're into cycling. It's something that they, you know, they enjoy doing in, in their spare time. And they think, oh, great, I can do a job that's combining that um, perhaps with something else. Perhaps they're a student also or they're a musician or an artist or that, you know, they have another another role that they can kind of balance I think one of the things that we'd really like to do and we're looking at ways to one of the things is, you know, the logistics sector as a whole is very much a kind of male dominated sector. It's not very gender balanced. And one of the things we're really looking to do at the moment is an initiative to try and make the the rider positions that we have um, more widely understood as as, um, kind of accessible to, to people of different ages, to people of different genders and because they're electric assist vehicles, I mean, they look quite big. And I think what, speaking to some of our um, female riders that have started with us, they think, you know, is this is this something that I'm going to struggle to move around? But after a bit of training, actually, they're really, really easy to, to kind of um, manoeuvre because of the electric assist. You, you have to be fit to be able to be a ZFI rider, but you don't have to be an Olympian to be able to, to work for us. And I hadn't thought about the angle of diverseness. It's, it's a great pivotal point, isn't it? When something new is coming to the marketplace, it's an opportunity to be able to do things differently. And what better way of, as you say, changing the, the sort of picture of what a delivery driver looks like? Because uh, we all, we, I, I can instantly sort of know my local delivery and their drivers themselves, and they're all of a you know, similar sort of background, if you like. So that's a, that's a really interesting challenge that you've got there. And I hope that you can manage to diversify that because it seems like a good place that you can sort yeah. of get in there with that. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of this this business that you have here is, is, is creating a service, but is built on this sort of sustainable um, environmental angle. Is that a thread right through the business or is that is that specifically to your sort of transport your mainstay i know that is your the main body of your work but i wonder what other sort of initiatives come through the business that reflect that same that same sustainable feel if you like yeah i mean do you mean is it beyond the service we offer and is it how we is it is it considered in other aspects of how we operate or is it more just the mission And in terms of your operations on a day-to-day basis, when you buy paper or anything for the business, do you think, right, where has this come from? What kind of business is it? Is it sustainable? Is it FSC paper? That sort of thing. Does it run through the the business or is it just narrowed down to your vehicles? Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good question. And it's certainly something that I think you 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 mentioned that you might be asking about um kind of B Corps and that, that is certainly a real kind of wide-ranging process to go through. It really does make you think about all these things. And we're we're begin- we are certainly beginning to put the structures in place to make sure that that those decisions aren't just 
kind of at the whim of the individual uh, making the decision that day, but really kind of thinking through. But I think one of the things about Zedify that I'm, I was just delighted about when I first joined is that I think because it's this purpose led organisation and everything we do, you know, that's what the founders talk about. They talk about creating better cities and, you know, a lot of, I guess, a lot of the people that have come on board have really got inspired by that. And, you know, so the people that have come here really, really do want to make a difference. And yes, totally understand the importance of us, not just making a service that that helps other people to improve their sustainability, but thinking about every every choice that we make. So, you know, I run events. So when we're buying, you know, merchandise for those events, we're looking at leaflets and we're looking at what, what can we make that's digital instead of, you know, paper, where, where, which suppliers can we work with to source things that can be reusable. It's about the impression that it gives, but it's totally about the impact that we're having as well. Sourcing uniforms as well. How can we make sure that the, you know, the, the garments that we're buying have been, you know, produced ethically? How can we make sure that the impact of the materials that have been used to create those are, you know, as low a profile as possible? All of those things are definitely considerations. I think B Corp's going to help us yeah, formalise that. Yeah, and just to reflect to those that have never heard of B Corp, what, what does it mean to you and where are you on that journey? Yeah, I think it's just a really, really well-regarded mark of how serious you are about ethics and the people on the planet. And I think, you know, it's this phrase about business can be a force for good. And that is totally written into the DNA of Zedify and, you know, the founders and everyone that works here. But I think it's that kind of outside authentication of that. And people know that it's quite a tough thing to um, to achieve and a tough process to go through. So it's got a really kind of, you know, it's got a really good reputation. It's that seal of approval. So I think for us, it's that. And, and about becoming part of the community of other B Corp businesses as well and kind of sharing sharing the journey that that we're on with with those businesses I think it can be really difficult when you're trying to make the whole business sustainable because you have to rely on your supply chains and everything is not always as easy as it's not always on offer what you want to choose so I think doing a B Corp as you say as you rightly say is quite an interesting challenge in itself so it sounds like you're measuring your impacts is that because of the B Corp or is that because you want to be able to demonstrate because you clearly are a sustainable business, but is it in that you need to demonstrate to others what your your impact is? Yeah, so I think um, there's kind of two sides to it. One is being able to really explain and tell the story properly about how our service compares and the impact of our service so that we can you know, people can kind of really understand what what the emission savings is going to be per parcel or per kilometre. And they can, you know, build that in and, and really kind of get value from working with us. And that's a really important part. And being able to, um, yeah, we've done, spent quite a lot of time this year building out um, an impact report that, that that does just that. And, you know, we've, we've used uh, mileage data from our trackers. We've used lots of kind of um, different sources for data to be able to build out what the impact is and looked at kind of embodied emissions um, from all of the different vehicles and um, and then operating emissions as well. And, and it's a really nice way to be able to, to show that story. And you get some interesting stuff about, you know, the difference between EVs and diesel vans and actually the difference between EVs and cargo bikes. And I think that's one of the things that people are quite surprised by because the embodied emissions are so high from an electric van 
you get a really massive difference um, between um, EVs and cargo bikes per kilometre. So about a 96% saving, um, which is dramatic. And then, um, yeah, between cargo bikes and diesel vans, it's it's 350 um, grams per kilometre carbon. So, yeah, it's a um, really important story to tell. But yes, on our own side, we have started to look at that. I think partly because it's it's something that all businesses need to do. You need to understand, you know, your impact. I think our the op- operating our fleet, kind of our operating emissions are really, really quite low. I think the information that Sam, our chief sustainability officer, shared with me before this call was that it's about a gram per task delivered. And we're looking at the kind of full life cycle, which looks at the op- emissions of our fleet, embodied carbon uh, and operating emissions. But um, when we look at our own kind of reporting, we are um, it does get a little bit complex because of how many cities and our franchise model as well. So we're access to data is a little bit of a challenge there. And that's what we're trying to yeah trying to address on our kind of B Corp journey. Yeah, so I can see how it would be complicated having the, the sort of business model that you're operating on being twofold that you have sort of can complete control of what what's in your initial basket but uh but the additional add-ons to your expansion model how how has that come about the franchising and is it uh is it is it doing what you hoped it would do yeah i think um it's it's really important for us to be able to have a mix so you know the franchise cities where we work it's the the people that that run those businesses are just brilliant. They're so committed to to, to making you know Zedify and their their city a success, and I think you know that is a real power from the franchise model, and it's been you know really really important for us. I think where we now I think we've got a really you know speedy growth plan over the next um, twelve to eighteen months, which is backed by the recent funding that we got. Um, including funding from Barclays and it totaled five million it's really really exciting what that's going to be able to do but we need to be able to kind of switch on cities really really quickly and to be able to do that quickly often the kind of managed approach works slightly better because you're kind of hiring somebody rather than finding somebody that you know has capital to invest and wants to take on you know take on that risk so I think there's yeah it's a, it's a different it's a different approach for kind of different different times within the business's growth so how many cities are you in now and how many do you hope to be in? Yeah, so um well next on the on the list is Manchester. So we're just um just about to get the keys for our for our hub in Manchester, which is really exciting. And um yeah, uh launch plan all kind of set in place for us to 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 shout about that very soon, which would be great. Um and next uh, we also have Birmingham in our sites. And other cities kind of including Nottingham, Leeds, Bath and Oxford are all kind of in, in the sites for, for, for launching and rolling out um, over the coming coming 12 to 18 months, which is really exciting. We're in 10 cities currently. And yeah, it will be 11 when we're in Manchester too. I'm curious because obviously Manchester is a really big city. Yeah. Why has it not been chosen sooner or did you want to make sure that you're getting it right elsewhere before you launch yourself in another big place? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's certainly somewhere which has been, you know, on in our sites for a while. It's a really, really good place um, kind of strategically because we work with um, lots of big retailers. Often, you know, there's a big kind of um, hub of distribution um, centres in the northwest. And so, yeah, being being in that area and being able to build out 
one of the things that we're we're looking to build out at the moment is a kind of trunking network that is able to transport so we're able to kind of collect volumes of parcels from distribution hubs and then bring them to the city so you know it's a much more kind of attractive proposition for a big big retailer and if we can make that part of the delivery journey as sustainable as possible then that works really well so Manchester definitely a key key post I think partly it's been to do with why not why not until now partly it's been to do with opportunities um to expand so Bristol we actually had a that was part of a we tendered for a council funding pot to launch a consolidation hub in Bristol. So there was a really good kind of opportunity there. They were um, preparing for their clean air zone launch, which did go live, and putting us in place was you know part of part of them making sure that they were well set up for that and that businesses had what they needed to keep keep running in the city with the new restrictions in place. Yeah, I mean, I guess from hearing you talk about that each city is going to have its own different nuances and it's going to be yeah you have to adapt to how it looks how what the, how the amount of traffic there is and demand of course yeah there are a lot, a lot of their things to think about <laughs> choosing a city is there any way you think no this won't work um i think i guess what we've learned is that there needs to be um you know there needs to be a density and i, I guess there are challenges in cities where you know where the kind of end customers the people that we're delivering to doorsteps are very kind of spread out not insurmountable challenges you know often that might require just having you know multiple hubs in different areas to be able to service them and i think there are definitely you know there there are things that perhaps make make a city succeed more quickly than others you know, things like old kind of historical cities where there's lots of access restrictions and that's a, you know, an immediate advantage for bikes kind of being able to get around those streets really kind of quickly and easily. Um, and then, you know, business cities where there's a really kind of vibrant community of independent retailers seems to work really well because there's, you know, that they they tend to have more control over, over their kind of deliveries and perhaps slightly more more uh, more to gain kind of initially from from working with somebody like Zedify in terms of the fit with their brand and that kind of thing so perhaps more motivated to do so for sure yeah I get that and in terms of challenges what what is the most difficult thing that you have to face or is it just a series of small challenges just in terms of operations is, is it are there big challenges that you feel that you've still got to overcome or is it just day-to-day -day stuff yeah, I think there's still, you know, there's still a big kind of communications challenge that we have. You know, there are, I think when you're looking at kind of one of the, you know, the biggest kind of target markets we've got, which is, you know, retail and kind of specifically, I guess, fashion retail, where, you know, a huge amount of the e-commerce deliveries that are happening within the UK are kind of are because of, you know, what we what we spend as consumers on fashion they, you know, their consumers say things like, you know, I'm going to make sustainable choices. And, you know, yes, I'd prefer a sustainable delivery company. But there's that whole, you know, very well documented say, do gap. And so retailers are, there's an opportunity there for them to be able to do things slightly differently, but there's not a heated pressure as there has been on certain things like, uh, you know, packaging and then kind of ethical labour and fair labor that kind of thing and so I guess we're kind of we're waiting a little bit for that moment to happen and, and trying to ourselves kind of educate consumers about the impact that deliveries have it's that kind of 
thing that it's a it's it's a little bit tricky to to communicate sometimes things like air quality you know it's there it's but it's unseen and it's something that we're all experiencing but it's it's difficult maybe like lots of things with um in the environmental and sustainability movements climate change it's like how is is the pressure right there in front of me and am I prepared to kind of um, make a different choice because of that the impact that that would have but there is certainly you know pressure from kind of investors and you know at the kind of corporate level in terms of being seen to to make serious steps so I think there's there's certainly something something there that that big retailers are kind of thinking okay I need to do something about this and this is a solution that can help me yeah and I think you offer something quite practical and tangible and relatively straightforward to get part of a you know a supply chain in order um so i imagine yeah you, i can see now from what you've just said that actually that end is already on it on the movement but it's that end user who's got to also be going yeah this is how i want my thick parcels to come to my door and i i think as you as you rightly say that, that, that there's a moment in time, but I think that's coming. And I think the more visible it is, and the connection to, as you say, air quality, people can't see, but those people that have any respiratory issues, they don't need to see it to know that they're living in a city that's got poor quality. And if they can just connect some of those dots with my respiratory issue, maybe asthma or whatever it is, with all those horrible vehicles on my doorstep, and then there's a different alternative. Then you, yeah, you've got you've got something, you've got something there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think it's just yeah, exactly. It's about it's 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 that point. You know, it's things like people at the moment. You know, um, one of the things that is a real opportunity, I guess, is providing visibility through technology. You know, when you're at the checkout, you often have choices about how you want things to be delivered. And, you know, that's usually about speed. And I think one of the important things to get across is, you know, choosing to have deliveries made by a company like Zedify doesn't mean having to sacrifice speed. It's very much, you know, it has to be has to be that too. But I think being able to kind of provide that choice for customers like here, you can have you can have your your um, your products delivered by cargo bike and it's giving that visibility and then you know perhaps they see that at the doorstep or they get some information in their delivery notification and it's just what that does knowing that there's that need there what that does for a brand in terms of appealing to to the customer and and becoming a kind of a loyal um, follower of their brand because they're they're making those kind of significant choices about um, choosing more sustainable approaches. That, that's going to be very interesting to watch. I look forward to seeing those, those pop-ups that go, do you want the sustainable bike? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, as I bring this conversation to a close, and it's been fascinating uh, listening to you, Harry, I wonder what your own personal thoughts and feelings are about sort of the future of logistics and it, and how it's sort of perhaps impacted your own life in in terms of thinking about these sort of carbon emissions air quality are, are you hopeful of the future what what does it what does the future look like to you yeah i think um i'm really i'm really amazed by you know since i've just over two years i think i worked at zedify and when i joined you know i i couldn't have told you that amazon would be heavily investing in cargo bike logistics and that you know all these big kind of carriers would be like Choose, choosing um, cargo bike logistics. I think IKEA have just announced that they're going to roll out cargo bike logistics. So it's becoming a real 
thing that people understand is this is this is the way that I can address this problem now. This is this is serious. This isn't just a kind of weird side issue. This is a, this is something that can help me. And um, so I think that's really promising, and obviously really hope that 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 continues. I think it's logistics has to change kind of in step be there to support the change that businesses are going to go through as they completely redesign their business models and you know perhaps transition to to subscription models and sharing economies and um you know reuse and all of those things i think we're still going to need stuff delivered and it still needs to be delivered in the most sustainable way but we need to kind of build that and bake it in now and and make sure it's there to kind of support these new more circular approaches to business that sounds very, very hopeful. And I think uh, you're you're in the right place at the right time, I think. I, I hope it all goes, the expansion projects go really, really well. I'm sure they will. And it's been absolutely fabulous talking to you this afternoon. Well, thank you so much, Caroline. Great to be on. I found my conversation with Harry compelling. The image of nifty e-cargo bikes delivering packages in a city with less congestion and better air quality is certainly appealing. It makes a lot of sense to power these city journeys with electricity and cut logistic related emissions. It was intriguing to hear how varied Zedify's customers were and how those receiving goods are yet to exert demand for more sustainable deliveries. Personally, I can't wait to see the appearance of a sustainable delivery option when purchasing online. If you want to discover more information about Zedify, take a look at the website link in the show notes. In producing this episode, I'd like to thank Andy Shaw for audio editing, Jeremy Jones for providing the music, and you for listening. Don't forget you can follow the podcast to get automatic access to each new episode. And it would be lovely if you could rate, review and share it too. It really helps. Until next time, bye for now.